Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. He said to me, son, just do a good job and everybody will want you. And he said, if you get the opportunity to learn your boss's job, take it. Because then when it comes round to replacing your boss, who's the natural successor? You can get other downline employees excited about the idea that the company already has a great vision statement or a great set of values to work off that are not kind of getting enough attention. That's going to create positive kind of social pressure for the boss to take it more seriously. We agreed, Colin and I, that we would go back and forth one at a time. I think Colin is squeezing in two bits of advice <laughs> for every one that he's giving me. Colin, I am happy to say that we have got another pickle to discuss. Woohoo! I love yeah, pickles. Well, I, I was not expecting that reaction from you, Colin, I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I also am a fan of pickles. Now, this is not, to be clear, this is not the the pickle podcast that I had pitched to you, where we do an entire podcast on gherkins and, and bread and butter pickles and dill. This is not that. Listen, every time you say pickle podcast, I keep thinking of Peter Piper, Peter Peter Piper. Pickle, Picker, Picker. If Peter I, Piper picked a pickle, Picker, Pepper, where's the pickle picker Peter Piper picked? How about that? Yeah, I'm very impressed. <laughs> it was another, this is two things I have not expected from you already in the first minute of this podcast. Yeah. I, also, I think we're just dropping million dollar podcast ideas left and right here. So if anyone wants to start a podcast about pickle taste testing or one about <laughs> tongue twisters, I think those are both golden ideas. <laughs> This is our segment called I'm in a Pickle, where we encourage our listeners to write into us and tell us about problems that they are stuck with, that they would love some behavioral science or practical insights into helping them solve. And this is really good because it, it's solving real world problems with a lot of the stuff that we talk about and building in sort of behavioral science and customer experience and everything else. That's right. So we, we love talking about these principles. We also love helping people solve real problems with them. So today we have a message from Rachel. Thank you, Rachel, for writing in. Rachel writes, hi, Colin and Ryan. Let me stop here. In the future, emails addressed to Ryan and Colin might get answered faster than <laughs> to Colin and Ryan. But it's fine, Rachel. You're doing fine. So Rachel says, my boss is great. He's so kind. Uh, he's passionate and he's driven. But... He's soft when it comes to follow through. Example, we've put some values, vision, and mission statements on paper some time ago, but we've since hired and had some people leave. In other words, we have a whole new staff and we're opening another location, which adds another level of complexity. How do I create the need for the value and vision, et cetera, to be addressed within our team? How do I restart this? I think he wants it to be perfect, but it doesn't have to be. It's probably going to change over time. But this is a big deal, and I think it should guide our decision-making, our hiring, everything. I know it's important, but I cannot be the one to administer this. Help, she says. Well, Rachel, we are here to help. 
or at least talk a lot. Hopefully something in that will be helpful. At least not to hinder. <laughs> at least not to hinder. Rachel, we, we solemnly vow to not make things worse for you. Our goal is not to hinder people. <laughs> um, well, Colin, you and I have both jotted down some notes on this, some ideas we have for how, how Rachel might address this. Why don't you go first? What did you come up with? Yeah, the, so thanks for this, Rachel. The reason I love this pickle was that it's so common. I've been doing this stuff now for 20 years, right? The contacts that we get that start this type of process are typically not from the senior team. Oh, that's interesting. 80% of the time, they are from someone lower down the organization who has the same problem. And the problem is, I think, improving our customer experience and, and creating a vision and mission and blah, blah, blah that Rachel was talking about is really important. My boss doesn't get it, or they get it, but they're just not prepared to do anything. So what do I do? Okay. And let me also say, I've personally had this problem. All right. So when I was back in corporate life, uh, working at a telecoms company in corporate life, I personally had this all the time. I literally remember walking into my boss's office with Joe Pine, who we had on the show, his mm -hmm. book on the experience economy, and giving my boss the book of the experience economy with pages that was noted for for him to read. And the point I'm trying to make is what you've got to do is you've got to attack this in a number of different ways. Okay. That's just one. Okay. Which is trying to get the level of your boss, their level of knowledge up to appreciate what they've got to do and why they've got to do it. Okay, because the reality is this in my book, and by the way, right, you will not get a word in edgeways on this one, for me, mate, because <laughs> I'm just going to rattle on for hours. <laughs> Give the people what they want, Colin. More Colin <laughs> is what they want. They've been very clear. The key for me is the reason he's not doing anything is it's not important enough, yeah, to him at this moment, and there are other things that are therefore stopping him effectively you've got to make it important to him okay and you've got to make it important to him in a couple of ways and then i'm going to shut up brian so you're going to get a word in edgeways <laughs> first way of making it important to him is it's got to be important to him personally yeah and it's got to not be seen as a threat personally okay because Everyone's got careers and you don't want to do anything that's going to cause a problem with your career. So, you know, trying to understand where he's coming from and why he's reticent uh, is important. The second thing that you've got to do, and we'll get into some more of the detail of this, is you've got to make it important to him financially or, or the company financially. Therefore, look at, well, how is he being judged? And therefore, what are the key metrics that we need to move that this piece of work would help with? Or this piece of work is acting like a millstone around his neck that is not allowing him to achieve whatever numbers he's meant to be achieving. Have we finished the podcast now? Is it time to go? <laughs> Dear Rachel, uh, I am in a pickle. My podcast host won't let me talk. <laughs> What I like about that 
kind of umbrella advice that you give is essentially motivate your boss in this case. So provide them with incentives. And what I like about that advice is that it's essentially the same advice we give for any marketing or customer experience situation. If you want to change what your customers are doing, you need to motivate them. And to do that, you need to understand what is important to them and what they value. You're essentially turn, turning that same advice around to within the organization and upstream. If you yep, want to change totally. your boss's behavior, you need to understand what they value so that you can motivate them. Yes, exactly. And guess what? Surprise, surprise, you're dealing with human beings, so it would be the same, wouldn't it? That's Whether right. it's understanding your customer or understanding your significant other or your kids or whatever, basically. Until we start working for robots, which probably fairly soon. Until then, we are working with human beings. What about your side? What pearls of wisdom have you got? Most of of mine actually fit nicely within kind of your broad category of, of understand what's important to your boss and motivate him or her. So all of these things fit within that kind of a broad set of advice or category. So one thing that we can do to kind of increase the importance of this and motivate uh, is this bit of wisdom around what gets measured gets managed. So if the values and the vision um, specifically are, are what Rachel's worried about in this case, then are there ways of incorporating into kind of whatever metrics get reported updates or status on how we're doing with regards to these values and visions. There's this tendency within organizations to spend a lot of time creating these great values and visions, and then we put them on posters on the wall, and then we forget about them forever. If there's a way that we can be getting weekly or monthly updates on how we're doing, just the fact that it's measured will keep it top of mind and keep it important and encourage the boss to emphasize this in uh, their leadership going forward. So is there a way to measure this stuff would make it uh, salient for the boss? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the other thing I would sort of add to that is think about <laughs> think about how you can scare him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so what do I mean by scare him? Scare him by going, well, look at the stats of what the competition are doing. Yeah. Look at the stats of what other departments are doing. Look at the stats of how this lack of inconsistency that is caused by us not having a vision, mission, or values. Look at the the cost of that, yeah? So against those key measures, and undoubtedly some of his measures would be financial measures, you know, is he running in budget, is he his key KPIs, then scare him in some way by highlighting some of these problems and then come in with, and if we did this, this is what we're doing. And the other way, sorry, I'm on a roll. I love this topic. Yeah, I would like to point out, Rachel, we agreed, Colin and I, that we would go back and forth one at a time. I think Colin is squeezing in two <laughs> bits of advice for every one that he's giving me. I just, in right. the interest of fairness, Colin, I just, I'm putting that on the record. You may, you may continue. Go ahead. <laughs> The other bit is you need to include in your mission, values, vision, what we would call a customer experience statement, which is an articulation of the experience that you're trying to give to your customers. So if I ask you a basic question, which is, 
what's the experience you're trying to deliver, I would imagine you would find it difficult to articulate that and that experience would be difficult to be articulated across the organization. So not everybody is going to say the same thing. And because of that, that is going to cause a number of inconsistencies, which are going to cause a number of problems, which are going to cause a number of costs, which are going to cause a number of customer complaints. And again, lumping all that lot together and presenting it as a, look, effectively, this lot is being caused by our lack of this, hopefully raises it up the pile of things that he's he's got to do and makes it more important. Okay, Ryan, you on the next one? But please be brief, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know you've got 10 additional things to say. <laughs> I am going to comment on the one that you just said. I, this idea of, of scaring the boss is great. I also, though, I think that that comes back to another kind of general principle that we have about just people and the way that they evaluate things, which is that we need reference points to do that. So if we're going to compare how we're doing to our competitors or to other divisions, what we're doing there is we're, we're making it easy for the boss to understand what these metrics mean and why they're important by showing how relative to some other group we're not performing as well as we could. So again, just calling out some some more general behavioral science principles, providing people with reference points is a great idea, which is essentially what Colin was, was arguing for. Another way, and this is, I think, related to some of the things we've talked about, another way of, of incentivizing the boss is to try to incorporate that vision or those uh, values into everyday processes within the organization. So let me give you an, uh, an example. A lot of times when, when we have these visions or these vision statements, they can be very abstract. They can be these, these very high order ideals. But if we start to incorporate them into the processes that we use when making decisions, then they start to become more concrete. So I recently proposed a new class at my college that I wanna teach. And so that needs to go up to a committee and they're going to evaluate it and decide whether they want to allow that class to proceed. As a part of that proposal process, I needed to justify that new class relative to my college's strategic pillars. So they've got these seven ideals and things that are important for guiding the university going forward. And my class had to touch on at least one of those. So that was a way of of taking this kind of vision, this abstract idea, and my concrete action of wanting to propose a new class I had to understand that through the vision if that was going to be successful. So look for ways of incorporating the vision in very concrete ways, and hopefully that will then constantly make that more salient, more relevant to your boss and to everybody else in the company and be more likely to actually happen. That's really good. Again, I would encourage you, Rachel, just building on what Ryan's saying is, Look at you. So those seven pillars that Ryan's got in the university, okay, which is effectively, obviously, the vision or the mission or the values. Um, what, yep. what do you call them? That I suppose those those are those. Oh things, well, well now now you're saying um, that I should have been paying attention in those meetings, Colin. I find that all <laughs> Yes, I believe that they are the. Um, I think they just call them the strategic pillars. But yes, they're essentially yeah. the the vision statement. We wanted to thank everybody for listening. You are great and the reason we do this. We're really pleased that we now have over 200 episodes. We've seen the podcast grow and grow. And now, according to Buzzsprout, it is in the top 5% of all podcasts globally. Thank you. That is truly amazing and not possible without you. 
But we have one request of you. Can you please tell a friend, a neighbour, or even someone you hate? It'll be really good to get more listeners, and it encourages Ryan and I to continue to produce the show. So please, just tell a friend. So it's interesting, if I was you, Rachel, I would go and look at some of your competitors and I would look at their websites and typically it's under the about section, yeah, and see if they've got on there vision or missions, yeah, and then again use that to go, look, our competitors have got these, why haven't we got these? I would also look for some best practice ones of those or some uh, organizations that you respect and do a good job and are successful and see what their uh, visions and missions are. And again, I think the important bit here for me is, as usual, there's not one silver bullet to solve this problem. There are lots and lots of little things that you can do that you are gradually chipping away and gradually at some point, I guarantee he will turn around and go, hey, I've had this idea. I think we should have some vision and missions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? And that's the point you go, that, oh, that was a great idea, boss. Never thought about that. But actually, you've been the person that's sort of been the architect of that. But let me say, this is about the phrase I love on this type of stuff is, this is about the art of the possible. And therefore, you've got to think about it from that perspective you've got to make the judgments of, well, how can we do this? Any more from you, Ryan? I've got two or three others that I can shout out. Uh, yeah, well, I'd expected you to shout out all two or three at the same time, Colin, because that's the way this episode's going. <laughs> um, a couple more. One thing that, that I would say is, are there opportunities to nudge your boss instruction? I think this kind of builds off of what you were saying, but are there are there subtle ways to kind of encourage your boss to, to think about this more? So going to your boss and saying, listen, boss, Vision statements are very important. We have this great one and we're not using it. That's kind of a frontal attack. And depending on your boss's personality, it it might generate some resistance. If on the other hand, you were to try something more subtle, which is, hey, at the next all hands meeting, we've set aside five minutes for you to talk about the the vision statement and and the values that we have and how they incorporate in the business. Um, We've decided we're going to start doing that at the beginning of every all hands meeting. We wanted to run that by you and see if that was okay. There's a good chance that that nobody's going to object to being given the opportunity to to speak more and especially about a, a topic. But giving those opportunities will naturally get your boss thinking more about, well, how am I going to communicate this? How, how am I going to emphasize that this matters? How are we going to incorporate this into the business? And so you're not then like kind of forcing an agenda on the boss. Instead, you're just giving them the opportunity to communicate more about it or to um, to think about it more. Yeah, that's good. And I think that's the bit about sort of slowly chipping away. And, yes. and let me let me build on a couple of those things, that a couple of practical things, again, that I've done and I've advised uh, different clients to use. So I mentioned buying your boss a book on it and marking out some uh, interesting points. Sending uh, him some TED Talks on it, yeah, of people talking about it. Sending him some podcasts like this one, maybe not this one, uh, but um, <laughs> maybe not this episode. <laughs> maybe not this episode. <laughs> or if you do, Rachel, have it come from somebody in the organization not named Rachel. <laughs> yes, 
but maybe sending out some podcasts that talk through some of this stuff. The other thought I had was equating this to money, okay? We did a podcast, which we'll put in the show notes uh, a little while ago, which was the five rules guaranteed to create ROI. So I would take a listen to that, Rachel. And again, try to equate how you can create ROI of this and put the case study together, like Ryan was saying that he's doing about his class. The last one that I've got is just creating social pressure within the organization. So if you can get other downline employees excited about the idea that the company already has a great vision statement or a great set of values to work off that are not kind of getting enough attention, that's going to create positive kind of social pressure for the boss to take it more seriously. So if if it's just you talking about this, as great as we are sure you are, Rachel, one person alone is easy to ignore. If there's several employees that are all talking about this and it keeps coming up in meetings um, and people keep talking about it about, around the water cooler, that becomes harder to ignore and not give serious attention to. So in addition to working directly on your boss, I would encourage you to work on your employees as well. And and understand what you said in the email, how it wouldn't be appropriate for you to take a lead on this. And, and you certainly don't want to step on anybody's toes. At the same time, it sounded from the email like you were genuinely excited about the work that had been done on the vision statement and on the values. And you thought that that was a good thing. It seems like it would be entirely appropriate for you to express that enthusiasm to your fellow employees and get them excited about it, too. And that'll create kind of a groundswell to to nudge the boss in the direction of taking it more seriously and, and really taking a leadership role on that. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, actually, because that reminded me of when we set up Beyond Philosophy, one of the first companies that engaged us was a water utility in England, okay? And it was the same situation, i.e. a guy there wanted to believe that customer experience was important and he wanted to convince people that it was important. So we embarked upon this program of things. One of the things that we did, building on what you were just saying, Ryan, because it made me think about this, was we drew out a power map, okay? Mm -hmm. And what a power map does is it basically lists down. So if you took the board, okay, the you know 12 members of the board or, or just your boss, whatever it may be, what we would have done is to go, okay, who influences him and how much influence do they have over him? And it doesn't necessarily what you've discovered is it doesn't necessarily need to be hierarchical. So mm -hmm. it's not just their boss that influences them, and it's not just their direct reports that influence them. There can be other people in the organization that influence them. It may be that they're friends. Yeah. It may be that they've worked together in the past. And what we did at this utility is we created a training course, okay, about effectively getting it, understanding what customer experience is about. And the first training courses that we ran on this, we drew out this power map and we invited along all the people who had that influence on the senior team. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And then we cascaded it down. So every time we run a session, 
the key questions we asked was, who else do you think we should invite to this event? So everyone came out of it going, oh, this is brilliant. You know, we're definitely the watch doing it. And we would then say, so who else in across the organization do you think we should get? Oh, you should get Bert Scroggins. You should get whoever. And we would then invite them next month. And it gradually sort of seeped through the organization. It created this environment where everyone started to talk about it and the bosses effectively couldn't ignore it. Does that make sense? Oh, I think that's great. In many organizations that I've worked in, there seems to be like an executive assistant who has no kind of power within the organizational chart, but who's the secret engine that runs that organization. (laughs) Like that person has everybody's ear, everybody trusts their judgment. And so, yeah, I love the idea of kind of recognizing outside of the official org chart who's influential and how and getting those people on board. Yeah, I love it. Last bit of advice I would say is I know in your note, Rachel, that you say, I as a sales manager know this is important, but can't be the one to administer this. Let me challenge that thinking. Because for me, one of the phrases I learned a long time ago, which I try to enact now, leadership can emerge from anywhere. So there is sort of organizational hierarchical leadership. And then there are people in the organization who become leaders or are natural leaders okay and i would encourage you to actually take it on okay and one of the reasons why i say that is it's an opportunity to make a name for yourself it's an opportunity to be seen as a leader and let me give you a bit of advice that my dad gave me when i started in business he said to me he said son just do a good job and everybody will want you And he said, if you get the opportunity to learn your boss's job, take it. Because then when it comes around to replacing your boss, who's the natural successor? It's you. Yeah. I would push back on that about you can't administer this. I would even go, yeah, do it. And it may cause you a bit of heartache and a bit of stress and everything else. But it certainly, I think, is a quest worth picking up a chalice that's worth picking up and trying to find. And it's definitely something that could make a name for yourself. And once you've done that, I tell you what, that also has a bloody great thing on your resume that you can start telling people. Okay, Ryan, any any last thoughts from you? Uh, No, I just to echo that last bit of advice, I think that's great. I mean, how cool would it be for you to be known within your organization as kind of the keeper of the vision, as the one who's always championing the values of the organization and the one that people can look to for that kind of consistent staying on on message and on strategy and kind of you know being the heart of the of the group but i think that's great advice i like it if you have a pickle please tell us what it is because we would love to know ryan and i love doing this stuff it's really The key for us is we want to help and we want to be practical. We know the science behind it. Ryan was talking about earlier about getting other people in the organization. Well, guess what? You know, that's about there's a couple of principles there about social proofing and fear of missing out, FOMO and all those other things that sort of underpin all of this stuff. But at the end of the day, the theory means nothing if you don't go out and try to do something different. Definition of madness doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So if you've got a pickle, 
then please drop us a line. All you have to do is go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle, beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle. And we have a form there. Fill it out. Tell us what your pickle is. You don't even need to put your email address. We're not trying to capture your email addresses or anything like that. Just tell us what your pickle is. And you never know. It may appear on here and we can try to help. So anything else, Ryan, before we depart? If people could choose pickles that Colin's less personally interested in, that would make it easier on me so that I can get some advice. So you're going to tell me now that we're going to have a bloody pickle on axes or or woodwork or or computer bags or the Cleveland Browns or something like that. Is that right? I'll be honest, Colin. It causes a pickle of some kind or another anytime <laughs> I engage with you at any level. So, Sure. great see you next week and rachel good luck i hope it goes well let us know how it goes good luck rachel cheers this has been the intuitive customer with colin shaw and professor ryan hamilton but it doesn't end here just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows access free tools and resources and subscribe won't you that way you'll never miss a show That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.